When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50-plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hi, everyone. So I hope you all are doing amazing and your 2021 is off to a really positive start. It has been so super windy here. The power is going out all over the place. It gets windy here in the winter, but seriously, this is the worst I've ever seen it. We have had record high winds up to 86 miles an hour, but the move is just over four weeks away now. So that just can't come soon enough. So I have some great questions today. I'm going to get right to these. The two questions, they're totally different scenarios, but they're actually about the same thing. They're about toddlers taking power and exploiting it for all it's worth. So I'm going to speak to this in general, and then I'm going to apply it to the two questions. So the first question is about some pretty rough bedtimes and even middle of the night and then a toddler who has hijacked mealtimes. So first, let's talk about toddlers and power. Now, in the class on misbehaviors and solutions, I talk about many reasons children misbehave, and one of those reasons is for what we call misguided power. This means they're trying to take power that doesn't really belong to them. Why do toddlers, or children in general for that matter, try to grab for power? There's several reasons. The first is they don't have enough control. They're told what to do, where to go, what to wear, when to eat. So they're looking for some autonomy in their life somewhere. So this is where we want to use choices as much as possible. I've talked about this a lot, but it's always good to bring it up again. Choices, choices, choices all day long, especially with your toddlers. Where to get dressed, what to wear, two choices, right? This shirt or that shirt, this shoes or those shoes, shorts or pants, those types of things. Apple or banana, toast or cereal. You want to give them as many choices as possible. When it comes to cleanup, now or in five minutes, the block first or the trains first. Choices all day long because when you give them choices, even though you're still telling them they need to eat breakfast, that they still need to get dressed, that they still need to brush their teeth, but maybe they can do it while they're, um, you know, standing on foot or jumping 
stomping on two feet, they feel like they're getting some sort of choice about it. It really does help them feel like they have some sort of control over their life. So you want to give them choices all day long. Second reason, feeling insignificant. They need to feel significant to their world. Helping with jobs. Even as young as two years old, there's things they can do. They can take stuff off the table. They can put some silverware into the dishwasher. They can help um, move clothes from the washer you hand it to them. They put it in the dryer. They can help you match socks. They can bring something over to you if you're nursing a baby. Tons of things that they can do to be helpful. And then giving positive feedback for a job well done. This makes them feel significant, that they're important in their world. Also, learning skills and improving. So when you point out skills that they've improved, whether it's learning their colors or learning to count, or for older kids, a lot of other things, obviously, sports skills and school skills, all kinds of things. These are things that help them feel significant. They see improvement, build self-esteem. There's less need to grab for power. Also, testing boundaries. All children test boundaries to see how far they can push. While sometimes this is about a push for autonomy, like I already mentioned, the wanting more control, many times it's just about how safe is this net? How strong is this boundary? How solid are my parents if I push against them? Do my parents mean what they say? Children need boundaries. They crave boundaries, healthy boundaries to thrive. They need solid bedtimes and nutritious meals and safe toys and play spaces. Freedom within limits. It's a bit of an art and a science because all kids are different and you'll learn one kid might be different than another. They can handle something more than another kid can in one scenario or another. But you learn each child what they need, what they can and cannot handle with some trial and error. But setting boundaries and sticking with them is a way of showing love. Parents sometimes feel bad when their child cries at bedtime or when the food isn't up to their child's liking and they're afraid they'll go hungry. But these boundaries are a message of love and kids actually know that deep down. Now, I've had many a talk with my now 11-year-old about just this. When he's upset with me for making him do 45 minutes of an online assessment or learning in some area where he's fallen behind and many other areas as well, I'll say to him, and this is something you can use with children as they age, it won't translate to a two-year-old, but I'll talk about what you can say to a two-year-old in just a minute. But the lesson is the same. But I have, and I do say to him, and I've done this with him for quite a while because now he's 11, why do I do this? And then he'll say, I don't know. And I'll say, yes, you do. Partially because we've talked about it many times before, so of course he knows. Why do I do things like this? And then he'll answer, because you love me. That's right, because I love you, because I want the best for you. It's my job to guide you and help you learn how to push yourself and become your best self. I don't do it because I like to see you unhappy. I don't do it because I like to see you cry. I hate seeing you unhappy, but the attitude with which you approach the task is up to you. Now with a two to four year old, maybe up to five, you can simply explain, maybe even six for some, I give you a solid bedtime because I love you. You need good sleep to grow smart and strong, and so we're all happier during the day. You just want to explain why you have that boundary. They don't have to like it. They may say they don't understand it, but this is just starts to get those messages in that the things that you do aren't because you're upset with them or because you like to make them unhappy or you like to hold some sort of power over them. It's not about that at all. It's about teaching them how to be their best self and help making sure that they get all their needs met, and this is the way that you need to do it. And then when they're older, they'll be able to take that on themselves. 
So being able to set and hold boundaries is extremely important for all these reasons. These are struggles you will continue to have. They won't want to clean their rooms or change their sheets or go to soccer practice on some days or do their school projects. So the sooner you get comfortable seeing your child uncomfortable and holding that boundary anyway, the the boundary that's out of love, the easier that this part of parenting will be for you because it goes all the way through most of adolescence to some degree or another. So this is a long road. The better you get this down, the easier that part of the road will be. There's plenty of other bumps along the way of parenting, but this is just something if you get comfortable with it, get comfortable with the discomfort, it will just be easier. Okay, so I'm going to talk about generally, in general, dealing with incidences of misguided power. So here are some guidelines. You want to acknowledge when you can and cannot force. You cannot force your child to go to sleep, but you can force them to stay in their room. You cannot force a child to eat their vegetables, but you can set boundaries that they remain at the table during the mealtime. Within reason, of course. I say that because 20 minutes at the table is pushing it for most toddlers. But expecting 15, maybe up to 20, staying with the family, even if you don't like what is served, is fair. For older kids, obviously, they could stay longer. Number two, do not engage, but do not give in. This means don't take any bait. Don't argue. Don't try to reason if your child isn't being reasonable, and likely they're not. They'll say, but... I, I just want it, I just need to state your boundary again and follow through. You don't have to fall asleep, but you need to stay in your room. And you walk them back, even pick them up and carry them if you need to. You don't need to eat the mushrooms, but you do need to stay at the table for five minutes. This is essentially withdrawing from the conflict. You're not engaging in their argument. If you need to remove the mushrooms from the plate or the plate from their tray, if they're still um, on, you know, using a high chair because they're just reacting too strongly, that's fine. You can reintroduce mushrooms another time in another way. Now, this is, of course, a really big subject, kids and food and ways to do this in a really healthy way so that we don't create issues with food. So if you aren't sure about presenting new foods, how and when and how to set up positive attitudes around food, the class feeding for infants and toddlers, and then the other class healthy eating for preschoolers and beyond are both on the website at yourvillageonline.com. Number three, think firm but kind. If your parenting follows this general attitude, you will do amazing at teaching calm during chaos, teaching how to engage respectfully, and setting up these really positive modeling for communication. You don't have to be perfect about it. We all get fed up. We all lose our cool, but you wanna do your best most of the time. Take time to walk away and cool down if you need to, but firm but kind will really guide you in your response in these situations. Number four, when warranted, you need to act, don't talk. What this means is, let's say you set the boundary about the mushrooms and your toddler took the plate and tossed it and now it's a mess on the floor. No need to overly accommodate with a warning or overly aggressive with anger. You're going to stay in the middle. You're going to let them know throwing food is unacceptable. When it's time to leave the table, you're going to need to help me clean this up. Or you can just let them be done if you're just done for the night. It's a fine line if you set a boundary about staying at the table, but it's been a battle after battle and they threw the food and you're just done for the day. Just being firm and getting back to a place of peace and working on those boundaries later on, especially if it's a toddler, 
that's perfectly fine. You're just done for the day. You're like, okay, I'm done with this mealtime. We're gonna start fresh tomorrow, fine. Toddlers can get pretty tired at dinner. And so sometimes it's ripe for misbehavior. Something like, I can see you're struggling to use your manners tonight and therefore you're done. You may leave the table now and you just take them down, send them away. Then you take some deep breaths. You're gonna calm down as you just clean up the mushrooms. If there's something they love and they normally do right after dinner, it's okay to forego that that night, especially if you make it related. Something like you normally play a game or do music together or play blocks together. Now mom or now dad or both have to clean up the mushrooms. So it's okay to say, I'm because I have to clean up the mushrooms, I'm afraid I won't have time for our after dinner dance session tonight like we usually have. We'll have to try again tomorrow. Just as an important side note to this, I wouldn't take away bedtime routine or all of it. Maybe a little bit if you need to, like say you have to cut into it and I can only do one book instead of two, that's okay. If it's shortened due to the cleanup, that's okay. But removing the books and the snuggle time altogether because you're upset, it's gonna take away all that opportunity to reconnect after that upset. And you really need that reconnection, especially before bedtime. Number five, you wanna have a plan. This means a plan for common struggles. Have a plan about what you will do, how you will react the next time, what the boundary is, what you will do if they ignore it. Will you use choices? Will you put out a consequence? Do you have a logical positive or a logical negative consequence to go with it? In the class on power struggles, I have a worksheet parents can fill out about common battles, what their current common battles are, what they're doing, currently and a few ideas of what they want to try differently the next time. Sometimes it takes a few tries to find the right fit for that particular child. And the class does cover different tips and techniques for different common battles as well. Now I do have eight more guidelines, but I want to get to both of these questions. So the class Misbehaviors and Solutions covers the rest of the guidelines. Also the class on Power Struggles gives lots of guidance on prevention and stepping out of battles. So that's a great class too on the website, yourvillageonline.com if you want to know more about that. Okay, so the first question is about a bedtime battle and I'm going to get to both questions and my answers right after a word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. By Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, By Heart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Our blend includes the most abundant protein found in breast milk, alpha-lac, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum, along with broken down, partially hydrolyzed proteins. By Heart is an easy to digest formula. In addition to its patented protein blend, our formula includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey to casein ratio, like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. By Heart is the only US-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. Curious about ByHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with the code parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now that we're back after the break, here's the first question where they're entering into this realm of misguided power. And Amy wrote in and said, hello, I have recently been listening to your podcast and have been so thankful for them. My name is Amy and I have a two and a half year old son. Recently, he has been boycotting bedtime. He has always been a great sleeper. However, when we transitioned him to a toddler bed and took away his pacifier, he started to need either me or his dad to sit with him while he fell asleep. I ended up giving him his pacifier back, thinking that he would be able to soothe himself to sleep. However, it has not changed. He insists on us sitting with him, but he usually runs around his room and we just get frustrated. When we try and guide him back to his room without saying anything to him over and over, he laughs and will literally not stay in his room. We ended up putting up a gate by his door, and I feel horrible about it. Another thing is once he finally falls asleep... After well over an hour, he wakes up in the middle of the night and wants to sleep with us. I am in desperate need of advice and I'm at a loss of what to do. I appreciate any help. Thank you, Amy. Okay, so in addition to the things I mentioned for making sure your child is getting those needs met of exercising autonomy with choices, gaining skills and feeling significant and belonging, feeling like they belong. Also, one thing I didn't mention is special time. Um, If you do that throughout the week, that's just spending some special one-on-one time with your child, uh, doing some playtime, and actually even bedtimes are great for that, doing the snuggling, the books, the songs, whatever it is that you do. Um, Them gaining their skills, getting positive feedback for these, um, as they're improving skills, as they're contributing to the family, and feeling like they're needed and wanted. You'll also then need to make sure that the bedtime boundaries are set as strongly as possible and adhered to. So if the boundary is that your child must stay in their room, which is usually the boundary we set, not necessarily making them stay in bed, but in their room. And like I mentioned in the first guideline earlier, you can't dictate that they must fall asleep because there's you can't make them fall asleep, but you can dictate they stay in the room. I know it feels overwhelming when they continually come out and I know the laughing really gets parents going. This is their way of trying to take control. They are trying to get the upper hand, and when they laugh, it really gets under parents' skin. I, I understand this. you got to ignore the laughing. you got to try not to let it get to you. They're just trying to push your buttons. They're just trying to see what they can get away with. So you want to stay calm. You want to stay the course. What you want to do is you want to wait by the door, walk them in, carry them back into their bedroom. Don't say a word, or you can use the mantra method, which is you say nothing, or you use one phrase, it's bedtime. Don't look them in the eye. Just keep putting him back in his room. You don't have to put him in his bed. Put him back in his room. Know that this will be short-lived. After three nights, it should be drastically better. It will likely not take three nights to see great improvement. But just in case, be ready for at least three nights before you see improvement by night four seeing the improvement. Five until it mostly dissipates. Night four and night five, a little bit, a little bit of pushing, a little bit of pressure. Then it should pretty much be done by then. Make it up once or twice, or it might be really good for two weeks, and then they might try again, try to push it again. You'll see this happen, but it'll be much, much easier, and it's going to be so much easier to keep it, too, because now you've been in the practice. So if you have great 
you know, a great bedtime for two weeks and then they start, he starts getting out of bed again, go right back to waiting outside the room, putting it right back to his bed. You're going to do that. He's only going to get up a few times and be like, okay, this isn't going to work. He knows. If you need to take turns, this is initially, right? You need to take turns because he's getting up a ton. Do it. You take 15 minutes, your partner takes the next 15 minutes. Or if you need 10 minutes at a time, whatever you need, split it up, do it that way. This way, if it's an hour, an hour and 15 minutes, then you have two to three 15 minute shifts. You can use the gate as well. First, you aren't shutting the door and leaving them alone in the dark. Even that isn't that much of an issue, especially if they can get their own door open. But it's not just okay, but like I said, it's an important message of love to teach boundaries. You know, you can let him know if he doesn't stay in his room, I'm going to have to use the gate. If it's just too exhausting for you to keep walking him back to his bed, you can use the gate. I do suggest doing the getting him back in his room method because it really just sets you as the authority figure rather than having the gate do it for you. But you can do that as well. So it's not just okay, like I said, but it's an important message of love to teach these boundaries. Kids need good sleep. They need to learn to fall asleep on their own. And they need to learn that they don't get to dictate the bedtime schedule or the routine or who stays for how long until they fall asleep as it relates to them to keep pushing the boundary after they've been tucked in. Set the boundary, tuck in, leave. You're going to follow through. Be ready and resolute and you will fix the problem. Okay, the next question is about meals from Hannah, who wrote, Hi, Erin. I started listening to your podcast a little over a year ago when I became a nanny for a three-year-old boy. Your podcast has helped me a ton with him. However, we tend to struggle with eating. We sit at the dining room table for one to one and a half hours just to eat a snack. So mealtime can be a challenge. Even if I turn the TV off or take away toys, he still manages to get distracted and not eat. I have to nag him 10 plus times during a meal to eat, and that's the only way he'll eat. I hate nagging him, and it's starting to get old. It's even more challenging on days he has preschool because he has to hurry to eat. I ask him, do you want to go to school? And he'll reply saying yes. And I will say, okay, then you need to eat all of your toast quickly. On the days he doesn't have school, I remind him that food makes you big and strong, or I tell him he won't get any TV time if he doesn't eat and nothing seems to work. My question for you is how do I get my nanny kid to eat within a reasonable time without the nagging and constant battle? Okay, so food has a lot of power and kids learn that really quickly. So when they can find that power, that thing that gets them the power, they will take it and run with it. So the more power we give them, the more they're going to take it. You can't force a kid to eat. And so it's a really easy area to create these battles. So what's happened here is because he's gotten power with food, it's made him more resolute. He's got you sitting at that table for over an hour at a time. He's got a ton of power. So you got to take that back. This is a game for him. So you need to take a much more laissez-faire attitude about it. It's not your place to make sure he eats. Now, in the class on healthy eating for preschoolers, I have a big general guideline. This is like number one, big number one, 101. And that is caretakers are responsible for what is offered. The child is in charge of how much of it they eat. Again, caretakers are in charge of what is offered the child is in charge of how much they eat. So the boundary is, okay, you know what? I'm going to go back a second. I want to go back a step because first, you know, giving choices in this arena can also help. It's a, it's a good first step. So if you give a choice about what the food is, you're giving him some power with what is being offered, especially for things like um, breakfasts and lunches or snacks. I don't, 
uh, give choices for dinner, but when it comes to breakfast and lunches, there's often choices. Uh, or even breakfast and snacks is the big big one where you can do some choices. So cereal or toast, waffle or bagel, apple or banana, you wanna offer these choices so they get to choose what they're going to eat. Once they choose, that is what they get for that day and they don't get to change their mind and they don't get something else and they don't get to change their mind in the middle. This is what they chose, this is what they get for today. So you wanna start with that. Then you wanna step way back about what he eats. If he doesn't eat, he doesn't eat. That is completely up to him. So because he's gotten all this attention with the nagging for the eating, he's not eating. That's the whole reason because he's gotten this power. So he's like, I get to get people to bend over backwards and sit at the table for me if I don't eat. So you wanna back off. Here's your food. Mealtime is set a limit. We are leaving in 15 minutes for school. If you haven't eaten, you can have a snack when you, you know, when it's snack time at school or when it's lunchtime. That's the next time you get to eat. That's just the way it works. Um, even if you're at home, you get 20 minutes. In 20 minutes, I'm putting the food away. If you haven't eaten it, then we'll try again at snack time. And then, you know, snack time, I remember, you know, when my kids were little, gosh, we had, you know, breakfast at seven. We had snack at 9.30 or 10. We had lunch at noon. So, you know, it's only a couple hours. They're not going to starve. They're going to be fine. The thing is, as soon as they realize that you don't care whether they eat or not, and they don't have the power anymore, their body, the human body is amazing. It is hungry. It will eat. This is a human, strong human need. They will eat. So you're going to just say 20 minutes. Now, the first couple of times, he's not going to eat because he's going to be like, I've gotten all this power. So this is, you're going to have to just wait this out. Okay. You know, and then clean it up. You can give him a warning. Okay. In five minutes, I'm cleaning up the food. So if you're not, if you haven't eaten everything you want, I'm still cleaning it up and we're, it's time to move on to um, the next activity. So you, you should have a schedule throughout the day where breakfast is from say seven to seven twenty, and then you clean up and then at seven thirty you play with blocks or you you do some sort of physical activity, you go for a walk, they, she does the balance bike, whatever it is that you do, have the schedule set out and you want to let the schedule dictate the day. Okay, well, we're done with breakfast because now it's time to go for a walk. We're going to take the dog for a walk or whatever it is that you do next. Set up that schedule for the day, follow it. It's time to leave for preschool. It's time for me to clean up your breakfast and to go to preschool. You're going to let that dictate. So if you set the time limit, you're not going to be sitting at the table for an hour to an hour and a half. Um, and if you're setting that limit and you're not bugging him about eat this, a bite of this or a bite of that. And I do talk about that in the, I don't know, I talk about it in both of them, but in one of the classes, both of the classes, I probably talk about that micromanaging is um, really detrimental to their ability to connect with their hunger cues because they tend to then use that for power. Um, and a lot of parents will do things like, if you eat a bite of broccoli, then you can have a bite of your macaroni. You wanna stick away from that too, stay far away from that. You offer the food, you let them eat what they want off the plate. If children are eating all the macaroni and leaving the, ve the vegetables, you give them the vegetables first, you let them eat the vegetables, then you can bring over the macaroni if that's something you're struggling with in your house also. So backing way off, not making any comments about eat this, eat that, take a bite, take a bite, make you big and strong, just back way off. Keep yourself busy, sit there with him and chat, whatever it is, but pulling back the attitude, not letting him know that you really care if he eats or not. I know you do, we all do, but he will get better. He will start to eat. He will realize when it just has no power that it, it just, it's gonna lose all of its effectiveness. 
Okay, I hope these tips on misguided power have been helpful. If you're interested in any of the classes, power struggles, getting kids to listen, sleep and bedtimes, misbehaviors and solutions, healthy eating, positive discipline, or any of the 60 parenting classes, visit the website at yourvillageonline.com. Also, don't forget, I haven't mentioned this in a while, that the parenting classes do come with access to our Facebook group where I do parenting chats every other week. We uh, haven't scheduled one, but I need to get one coming up in the next week. So we do have one coming up soon. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.